This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 265 of the Stacey West podcast. My name is Gary. I am one of your regular hosts. We have some irregular uh, guests week in week out and the one of the most irregular of all is joining me today it's charlie beeston how are you doing charlie i'm not too bad oh, most irregular one of most the most irregular, irregular. <sighs> oh wow when when ben may even be heard on this very podcast and you're calling me the most irregular <laughs> yeah that's a good point actually yeah i forgot ben was coming on later okay um yeah i'll give you that <laughs> I'll give you that. Do you have a good Christmas? We haven't spoke. Have we? We haven't spoken. Have we since New Year? Have you had a good time? Um, I don't know. Have we spoke? No, we did. We did pre. Uh, no, we didn't. No, we did. We did. We did post Boxing Day. Uh, but yeah, no, not too bad. Nice and quiet. Um, same as New Year's. To be fair, I was up in Blackpool and the uh, the the bar next to the hotel shut at half past ten on New Year's Eve, um, which was pretty awful. So I ended up just going around to a friend's house in Preston instead, and went and got very drunk at his house because <laughs> why good. not and the night of the Northampton game now I don't think I mentioned this when I did the podcast with Chris but I think you were getting hit on by about a 58 year old woman were you not in the treaty I, I thought she uh she had a bit of a thing for you at first and then when she found out my name was the same as her daughter's that was it then she was all over me <laughs> <laughs> it was funny and and her sister I think it was ended up laughing at the fact that I was 45 and not she thought I was 55 um, yeah, which and... I, I can understand where she was coming from with a lot of the points she was making, actually. It was really valid. Okay. So this <laughs> is Charlie's last appearance on the Stacey West podcast. <laughs> Funnily enough, I had, we were running through earlier. We were running through the list of things to do. And I, I said, right, and then we're going to do some basic transfer window chatter. And after that, Charlie, you and me are finished. And then I said, of course, only in context of the pod. But it turns out... No. <laughs> now you've received in that sentence, I <laughs> And then, of course, when when sort of at the end, and we were saying, "Yeah, well, my name's such as," and I said, "Oh, my name's Gary," and she just burst out laughing, didn't she, for about twenty seconds? <laughs> she actually went, did. Who's called Gary anymore? Imagine baby Gary, and I'm like, actually, do you know what? I was quite a bonny baby. So sorry, yeah. but I'm married, so okay. it doesn't matter. I don't really care. No, no. 
I don't really care. Um, so that was in the aftermath of the Harvey interview. I mean, just a kind of quick debrief. That it was quite good, wasn't it? I enjoyed chatting to Harvey. He's um, he's always good value for money. No, absolutely. He um, was, I think, was really, really open uh, on on the pod and answered all the questions. Uh, you know, really, really, really well. He's a he seems a really, really good character as well. Um, somebody I really enjoyed spending sort of an hour. Well, probably quite a bit longer than an hour actually. In the end, wasn't it? Um, somebody like I say, I certainly enjoyed spending some time with that afternoon. So <clears throat> today's show is a little bit fractured. I mean, it is a, a weekend podcast, but we didn't have a game yesterday, which um, some people are going, what on earth am I going to do on a Saturday? I found plenty of things to do. Um, absolutely cracking day. And we don't have a game in midweek either. So uh, the first part of the podcast is going to be Charlie and I, and we're going to be talking about the ins and outs uh, from Friday uh, and looking ahead if we get time to the rest of the transfer window. After that, I'm then going to be chatting to, and I may get his name terribly wrong because I have watched that what WhatsApped him and asked him how to pronounce it, and he hasn't replied to me. Uh, but I'm going to be chatting to former Lincoln City player Paul de Garis. Garis, Garis. I think it's de Garis, but we will see. Uh, so Paul was a goalkeeper who came on loan in the '94 '95 season. Didn't get a kick um, in a in, in a Lincoln shirt, but is somebody that you're going to be hearing a lot more from over the course of the coming months. Uh, we'll explain why when he comes on. And then at the very end of the show, uh, Mr. Ward, Ben, is going to be coming on. Now, again, something else that we're doing as a Stacey West team. We went out, Stacey West night out, Christmas night out. And I'd been asked, I can't. we can't say by who or in what context until the announcement's made, but I'd been asked to run the Lincoln 10K. Uh, and drunkenly, Chris... And Charlie, I can see his look on his face, uh, and Ben all said, all agreed to run it as a group. So we're running as the Stacey West team. We're all at different stages, I think, in terms of our running journey. Um, obviously, I run. Uh, I don't know if that's... Really? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I haven't run for yeah. two months. I did my first run for two months, literally, before sitting down for this. Um <laughs> And I've, I've been carrying a cold all Christmas. It, it was a decent mm. enough pace. But Chris, I think, is the sort that can turn up on the day and just do it. For, readers, for listeners who don't know, Charlie does have an issue, uh, a small issue with running, in because uh, people may not realise, but Charlie's actually blind, um, which people, yeah, why would work. people know it? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's not all about legwork, though, is it, Charlie? You do need to be able to... Not if, there's a la- not if there's a lamppost in front of you. That can go very badly. No, exactly. Um, and then there's Ben, who, with the greatest respect to Ben, his own fitness journey is literally starting right now i mean charlie i think you've run before you've had you've got a degree of, of physical fitness there chris is obviously you know i've seen more meat on a butcher's apron um and then you've got uh then you've got ben who would as by his own respect you know has, has kind of let that area go so he's going to start on the couch to 5k so he's going to come on towards the end of the show and just talk a little bit about that because i think it's important there'll be a lot of people listening in here who will be in a similar position i think to ben um struggling mm-hmm. with motivation post christmas you step on the scales it's not particularly enjoyable so i think it's going to be really interesting to follow each of our journeys uh, and when i say that people at home are probably just switching off now aren't they to be fair Potentially, but uh, obviously, hopefully, ho- hopefully not. Um, yeah, Ben Ben's already sort of kickstarted it for this year. He's done yep. more than me this year in all for you know, and probably more than all three of us. Uh, so yeah, so far, so um, yeah, really, really good, and uh, he seems really up for it. Even though obviously, the start of the journey, it's, people can struggle. I, I I know I will. I won't. I'll be getting back out there Monday 
um, for my first run of the new year. I'm going to really struggle. I'm going to hate it. But then uh, one week will pass, two weeks will pass soon enough. They'll be, uh, just, it'll start getting a lot quicker, a lot better, a lot easier. Uh, and then roll so, on April 14th. So for regular listeners, that will, uh, most of the running talk will try and tag on the end of podcasts, I think, rather than the beginning so that you don't have to fast forward through. What we're going to try and tag on the beginning of the podcast is Lincoln City Talk. And we do have some stuff to talk about. Now, Chris and I did a podcast on Friday. We were talking about players that might leave. It dropped, I think, actually Thursday night. And one of the players we said would leave would be Mide Shadipo, who joined us on a short-term contract. Um, scored the leveller against Port Vale uh, in Tom Shaw's last game in interim charge, but really hasn't had the opportunities probably uh, to to impress. So his second spell at the club has now finished. What were your um, overall impressions, Charlie, of his stay here? Well, I th- first of all, I certainly wasn't surprised to see him go, um, but I actually do do kind of feel for for Mide. Um, I actually I think he's a really really good squad option for well would be for us at this level. Um, I think, you know, if we're aiming, as most teams do, to kind of have two players for each position, I said in the summer I would have been really happy for Mide to sign with us on a permanent sort of two-year contract, something like that, to hold down one of the four winger slots, if you like, if we were doing two for each position. I think the problem, unfortunately, for Mide is those kind of inverted 10 positions that we've played primarily as well since he's come in. Uh, What was it? Was it the start of October, I think he signed? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, him coming in at that point and us very much moving to these kind of inverted 10 positions that we'd been playing, it just didn't really suit him. Um, I think having more out-and-out wingers, a little bit like how it would for Dylan Duffy, I think it would really have suited Mido Shadipo a lot more. Uh, going forward, if we were to, let's say, go to a fallback and have proper wingers, which is something that you know me and Chris spoke about, the potentiality uh, of us doing um, after the January transfer window, on the monthly show, I think he would have been absolutely perfect for one of those squad positions. But at the minute, there was no real point extending a contract for a player that we couldn't guarantee would be a part of the manager's plans. He's not going to want to stick around if he's not playing. It's probably the best option for all, even though it is a little bit unfortunate. He'll find another club. I still think he'll actually be in League One. I don't see him dropping down a league. I think he's capable enough in this league. There'll be teams that are better suited to him, teams that he's better suited for. So... Yeah, I'll, I'll be watching watching his career carry on. Now, for people who are listening closely there, potentiality is a word. I've just Googled it. So Charlie should know he's at university, <laughs> but I heard potentiality and I thought, Charlie's making up words again. Is this, um, is this like actually... clinicality where you try... Yeah, yeah, it is. Basically, you put ality on the end of a word, don't you? And it, it just works out. So that's Charlie-ality. It's that's right, but I'm it's right though, isn't it? Well, it, it is, is right. What's the difference I've got to use potential- big boy words. What's the difference between potential, having the potential to go on, or having the potentiality to? Nothing. Anyway, Mide. Um, <laughs> I really liked Mide. And in the summer, there was a sense that, for me, us not signing Mide was like us not going back in for Morgan Whitaker. And, OK, I understand there's a slightly different profile of player. I think had Mide been comfortable playing as a wing-back as well as a winger, I think that that might have increased his um, attractiveality mm. for <laughs> his attractiveness for the uh, for the football club. Um, we don't play wingers. It's it's a slightly strange one for me because I think that there will be a desire for us to go to a back four next season, as we've already as, you know, we've discussed regularly. If you go to that back four, 
you're then looking at playing wide players. But I suppose in the short term, you know, we're not doing that. Nide, probably not somebody we've looked at and gone, we'll have him in the long term. Um, I agree with you. I think that there's a League One move for him. I think that he could quite easily turn up at a late Orient, for instance, mm. or he could turn, depending. I mean, I'm not sure how these teams actually play. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they, they yeah, play. Yeah, late Orient, they wouldn't, but no. No, they no because they've got Theo Archibald on the wing. Be that sort of team, that's what I mean, that yeah. profile of team, that kind of just above the bottom four, you're talking maybe an Exeter, you're talking maybe a you know, Carlisle are probably spending a little bit bigger, but that sort of team. Or he steps down to the top end of League One. Uh, League Two, sorry. So he steps down and he's then playing for a Barrow or he's that sort of thing where he'd be a big, big fish. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. So that's me day. Um Jack Vale has also gone. So Jack Vale signed on the last day of August. He came on loan from Blackburn. He was injured. He then got injured again. Now, there's an interesting narrative I'm going to pick up about Jack Vale, actually, uh, just before I bring Charlie in mm. in a second. So uh, scored, did he score a couple of goals? I think he scored one in the league at Cambridge and one in the Mickey Mouse. I only, I only remember against... the Cambridge one. But... No, didn't he score in the... Um... Mickey Mouse Cup against Wolves under 21s or something like that. He might have done. Late on, went through, scored. I'm pretty sure he did. Um, so it's a couple of goals. I'll pick, pick some bits up about him in a minute. But the narrative has changed a little around Jack Vale. Now, when we signed Jack Vale, it wasn't known that Tyler Walker and Ben House were long-term injuries by the rest of the by everybody else. And I remember that because we signed him. I was at the Punk Festival. We drew with Bristol Rovers, I think, and then signed him or announced him that night. And it was very much a case of, well, because he's injured, you know, we've got two centre forwards. We can afford him to come in and Joven will go out on loan. But in what in just George's recent interview, and there was another, uh, there was a press release, I think, that went out. It said that he was signed after long-term injuries to Tyler Walker and Ben House. Whether it's just a slip in the timeline, a glitch in the matrix, um, I don't know. But it's interesting. But What's your... Go on. On, the, on that point, so we signed him the Friday night. The Bristol Rovers game was obviously on the Saturday. So it was the, it was the dead, it was a deadline day signing. Um, ben House got injured against Sheffield United on the Wednesday night. <laughs> Tyler, I'm not a hundred percent sure on in terms of when he got injured. It was again that kind of same week. Um, and Jez also did come out and say, well, you know, the club through the media came out and said that Jack Vale was signed because certain pieces started to fit together uh, and an opportunity was there. So we made the move for him. We may not have otherwise done so if sort of things hadn't fallen into place. Um, so I it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if the reason we signed him, you know, if that was actually the reason and we did that um, with the kind of little bit of hindsight. But then if that was to happen, if that was the case, then we can start questioning why we signed somebody that was already injured, considering we had those two injuries. So I th if the club are changing the narrative, I don't see it actually helping their image in that sense. I've got to be honest. So, let me ask you a question about Jack Vale. Now, I've done some stats, and this is for the a little bit, a little bit further down the line, but I've done some stats. Goals per 90 minutes for Lincoln City. So it's a Y Scout stat where it's not per game. So it's not if you've played eight games and scored twice. If you've played eight games and you've played 10 minutes in each and you scored twice, your goals per 90 minutes will be over two. So 
goals per 90 minutes, Jack Vale for Lincoln City, 0.29. Now, that's actually not bad, considering that Hakiba Delican is 0.29 and Freddie Draper 0.46 for Walsall. Assists, Jack Vale is the only player out of Hakiba Delican, Jovan Makama, Ben House and himself to also have an assist in that he assisted, I think it was Mide's goal against Port Vale. Now, my gut feeling was, actually, Jack Vale wasn't a successful loan signing. But I think there was there's elements around Jack that may... He's going to go on to be, in my opinion, Liam Cullen. And Liam Cullen was here. He wasn't quite the right kind of profile. He was a decent player. Fans didn't particularly rate him. I think Jack Vale goes back to Blackburn and potentially has a Liam Cullen-style renaissance over the next 18 months and finds himself in the Blackburn side? I wouldn't massively disagree in the sense that I think he's definitely got the, the capabilities to do that. I wouldn't at all write him off. I just... I don't think he was that good here, you know, and, and he wasn't. Some of that can very much be too down to style and things like that. But I, I struggle to really see a way in which we could change for Jack Vale. I struggle to really see what kind of identity he had as a striker. Now, you might um, have, well, you will have better stats than me. I'm only using uh, FB ref here, but I only have him down as having two shots as well. Now, in the league, yeah, that, two shots. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one goal from two shots. Well, that's, that's absolutely great and all that. But he was our striker. And let's be honest, he was playing striker for the majority of those minutes. And what was that? 423 league minutes, I have it down as, and he's, and he's had two shots. I don't think that's good enough for a striker. And this is my thing with Jack Vell when he came in from Blackburn as well that I was a little bit worried about. And we, I had um, a chat with somebody from uh, Blackburn Rovers on the YouTube channel as well when Jack Vell signed. And one of the things I pointed out was the fact that he'd played in something like 16 matches. So around about the same amount of minutes, in fact, probably a bit more. I think it was close to sort of 600 minutes he'd played for Blackburn last season. Uh, most of them sub-appearances, but he'd only managed to accumulate an XG of 0.19 or something like that. Now, as a striker, when you're playing that many minutes, you've got to be able to create the chances and get on the end of chances that are created for you. Now, there is an argument that we are not creating enough chances, and I get that, but for me, that all stems from a striker. If the creative players, let's say a Danny Mandroyu, has a striker to be able to aim at in the box, whether that's to try and put it on their head, whether that's to try and play the ball through, over the top, anything. If they've got confidence in that striker, they're going to create more chances because they're going to be more willing to get that ball into them. I now, disagree. Okay. I don't think I don't think it's a willingness. I think I think Danny Mandroyu puts the ball in the box. Whoever's in there, your your point still stands. I get yeah, your point. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think I'm just going to pull you up. I don't, I don't think willingness is right. I don't think Danny Mandroyu gets the ball, looks up, thinks, "Oh no, it's Jack Vale in the box. I'm going to cut back inside." But do you would you not agree in the sense that there's when sometimes we're getting to like we've we've had the discussion that we get to let's say the 25 20 yard line and then we are having to effectively turn around or, or try to do something with it because there isn't actually those those options in the box now yes okay some of that is very much from the fact that the striker isn't there in some instances or even when they are there I sometimes I wonder whether if we've got a striker that there is more confidence in from the rest of the team that they are, like I said, I use the word willing there, that they are maybe willing to, to put more balls in because they have more faith in that striker. 
no. That would be the. That would be the. I, yeah, yeah. I, no, I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I get your point, um, but I, I think they'd still put the balls in the box. I think, I think <laughs> what would, what would make your point more relevant, is not the willingness to put the balls in the box, but it's the run the striker makes to make the ball possible. So if Danny Manjoy looks up and there's no movement in the box, he's not likely to put the ball in. I don't think it's a willingness. So I, I kind, I do, I get your point. Yeah. Um, but the stats don't particularly back it up. I mean, actually, Jack Vale's XG per 90 minutes is the same as Ben House's um, when Ben was in. Uh, Jack Vale's uh, touches in the box was better than Hakiba Delican and Ben House over the 90 minutes. So I think the issue, pure and simple issue, is actually the getting the shots away because he's had the touches in the box, 2.29. He's got the XG, 0.21. His shots on target. 75%, but that comes from four shots, three on target. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and, and, and he's, he's returned is 50%, but mm. his shots per 90 minutes, bear in mind, is 0. 0.57. So that's what's not good enough. Whereas Hakiba Delican, 1.65. But they scored yeah, the same it, number, same goals per 90 minutes, 0. 0.29. I, th I think this is, this is it. And you, you put it a lot better there than what I was clearly trying to in this, in the sense that I, I don't, I'd like to say, I just didn't see enough from Jack Vale when we were attacking to see him as a focal point of the attack at no, at, in no sense of the word. Um, and like I say, on that point, I'm then not surprised that he's moved on. Um, Cause I just, I don't think it was working for, for him here. And like, you know, I do in a slight way disagree with the sort of Liam Cullen comparison in the sense that I'm struggling to see where Jack Vale is able to fit into a football league side at the minute because, I, again... A football I league see, side? Well, I could see... I genuinely am struggling to see him as a League One striker. Uh, bottom end League Two to mid-table League Two, potentially, because you see those sorts of strikers in that division, but... I don't see him helping a team battle into the top end of League Two or into League One at the minute. But could you see that in Liam Cullen when he left? I could see more in Liam Cullen than what I could now in Jack Vale. Interesting. Tell you what I'll do. I can't do it now because I wouldn't do it during the pod. We'll pull the stats and have a look. Mm. Liam Cullen to, to Jack Vale. Um, yeah. And we'll see. I, I think it's interesting. I think there's there's... There's huge similarities there. And I think that Jack has perhaps suffered a little bit from the injuries around. I think that had we had Jack Vale playing with Rico Hackett on the right and um, Danny Mandroyu regularly on the left, I think that he would have probably thrived a little bit more. His finishing is there for all to say. The finish against, I think it was in the Mickey Mouse Trophy. I can't remember his game against, his goal against Cambridge. I think it was his finishing the trophy where he's cut one way, gone across the defender and then fired it back in. And it was just, it was such a good strike. Um, and I, I see that ability in him. Uh, and, and just actually, I can pull up the um, uh, Liam Cullen, mm. just having a look, shots on target. Uh, so his XG per 90 was 0 0.32, a little bit more than Vale. Uh, his shots per game, 1.84, Vale 0 0.57. So granted, um, his shots are a little bit better. Touches in the box, which I think is important because I think if you're having mm -hmm. touches in the penalty area, 
to be fair, 3.69. Actually, Leon Collins touches in the penalty area were better than all of the strikers that I've profiled, which leads me on to point number four. The reason I've profiled these strikers is that we've recalled Freddie Draper from Walsall. To the surprise of absolutely nobody, and certainly not you and me who were told he was coming back on December the 27th, <laughs> but to the surprise of no, 29th rather, yeah, getting that date wrong has really cost me, hasn't it? And I'm still getting it wrong now. Um, so let me just give you the idea of some numbers because, look, we know about Freddie. And people are going, Freddie, you know, he's not the answer to our problems. Mm -hmm. He may not be. But he's more of an answer to our problems than nearly anybody that we'll bring in on loan. I would rather recall a Freddie Draper than bring in a Luke Plange without hindsight. That's without knowing that Plange is gash, basically. Am I allowed to say that? I'm not sure. Um, yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's, it means rubbish, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So goals per game. And what I'll do is I'll give you these stats from Freddie and then I'll give you the highest out of Adelic and Jack Vale, Jova Makama and Ben House, who were this kind of sample group. Goals per 90 minutes, Freddie Draper, 0 0.46. For Lincoln, 0 0.29, Hats and Jack Vale. Assists, Freddie Draper, 0 0.14, Jack Vale, 0 0.14. Shots per 90 minutes, Freddie Draper, 1.9. Next highest for us, 1.65, Hacks. Percentage on target, 51.2. We've already said Jack at 75. XG for Freddie, 0 0.4. The highest for us is 0 0.25, Hacks. Touches in the box, 2.64. Actually, slightly lower than Joven Makama at 2.69. Aerial duels, 8.16. Slightly lower than 8.82 for Joven. Percentage won, 25%. That's clearly above any of the other players that we've got. Now, you can people can tell me, but that's in League 2. You pump a ball into a striker, whether it's League 1 or League 2, if he's going up to head with a defender... Doesn't matter what level you're at. An aerial duel is an aerial duel. No, they're not they're not taller in League One. They don't jump higher in League One. So for me, that's that 8.16, 25% duels. I actually think that's impressive. <laughs> they're the numbers. Put some colour in the lines, Charlie. Well, I shall uh, certainly try. Yeah, look, what I think Freddie brings to us more than anything, more than a, a poacher's instinct or anything like that, because that's a thing that will be spoken about the most. The fact that he's got that poached instinct, the fact that he can run onto the balls that we give him, the fact that he is really strong aerially and on the ground. What I think he, he brings to us most is he's a player that we can play through. What I mean by that is that in recent weeks, I think we've shown some really good passages of interplay, but they haven't really included the striker. Derby away was probably the best example of that, where we were playing some really nice football between our midfielders, but they never really included the striker, so therefore didn't move us up the field enough. For me, Freddie can be involved in that, creating more triangles and spaces for others to move into. Now, I've tried to watch as many of Freddie's minutes as possible this season through sort of doing, doing different uh, projects. And what really stands out for me is his ability to, to, have, to be so spatially aware of every other player on that pitch and the fact that he can do some of the greatest little flick-ons to other players and then move. It's not just a pass, it's a pass and move, which I feel like we've struggled a little bit with at moments this season. Now, I also want to hark back onto his hat-trick that he scored against uh, Newport. It was a Friday night game in a three-all draw. That hat-trick is the exact reason why we need Freddie Draper in this team and why Freddie Draper is going to perform well for Lincoln. 
the hat trick consisted of three goals, obviously. One of them being a one-on-one uh, after he uh, ran through and a through ball had been played. Uh, so it was a it was a one-on-one that he managed to tuck away. The other was a scramble in the area, and the other was, I believe, a header off the top of my head. So off the top of your head, I know, brother. I know. So three separate goals that just show the wide-ranging ability that he's got as a striker, and they're all the things that we are currently missing. But they're the things that I think that once we've got that in our team, it will excel us into the next level. That's, for me, why Freddie Draper is very much the missing piece at the minute. And I, I don't want to put too much pressure on the lad. I don't want to put, you know, be, be that person that's saying he's going to be the sole fixer of all of our problems, because, of course, he isn't. But if we'd have had Freddie Draper in our side... And, and fit at the end of August when uh, Tyler Walker and um, Ben House both went injured, I think we'd probably be a couple of places higher in the division. In fact, maybe even three or four. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we've got a, he's a bustling centre forward coming back. I think if you your people were talking about Joe Taylor, he's done really well. He was the, the boy that we're being linked with at Luton, who's at Colchester at the minute, but he's likely to be recalled. Um, and you know, everyone's going, oh, he's done well for Colchester. But he's, you know, okay, he's a couple of years older than Freddie. Freddie's he's done that well in League Two. He's, he matches that. He eclipses that. And I think what's what's fascinating is, I think a group, a selection of supporters, rightly or wrongly, tend to look differently on a player that they see that they've seen week in, week out, or they've seen before. Mm-hmm. So they think of Freddie, no goals when he played under Michael Appleton. By the way, should have had, but if you remember, was hacked down from behind against Wigan yeah. as he was going through. Should And I think that was in a game we won as well. Was that the game the only mm-hmm. game Dan and Lundaloo scored, I think, in that game? Didn't, didn't Dan and Lundaloo... No, no, never mind. I was, I was going to say, didn't Dan and Lundaloo score because Freddie couldn't get to the ball? No, Freddie came on. Did, Freddie came like, came on. Did he come on, on for? Who scored early, right, early yes. earlier on? I, yeah. I think. I yeah. think. Two That's the second mention of twenty sec- second mention of Dan and Lundlu back to back, <laughs> and we don't know anything. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that to prep people. It's not one of these situations where I'm trying to smooth the transition into Dan and Lundlu signing. He's not going to sign for Lincoln. <laughs> but there we go. Um, Do you know that for sure? <laughs> no, but I, 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 said, I actually said the other day, I dare put my house on the fact Joe Taylor wouldn't sign for us. And then somebody messaged me and went, I'll take yeah. that bet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, That came from, so of the Stacey West patrons, patrons of the site who pay a couple of quid a week, just kind of help the upkeep and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, that, that comment came from them. And we've got a question from them as well. Um, and it's come from Sparky Val, uh, who wants to know how easy it's going to be to turn around a stat like this, which is touches in the box. And it kind of goes hand in hand with what we're talking about, which is why I'm dropping it in here. Um, so Lincoln City touches in the box, rock bottom of the division, 370. I don't know where she's got the stats from, but it sounds about right. Wigan next, 399. Burton, 417. Even in 15th, Cambridge, 492. It's 120 more touches in the box than Lincoln City. Um, how much does it hinge on injured players being fully fit in addition to the recruitment or instead of transfers. Now, we've got 10 minutes to cover basic transfer window, chatted Charlie. But I'm going to throw that question over to you. Right. First of all, Rico Hackett is expected to be back for next Saturday. He's going to be huge yep. for that. Um, as I was sort of talking about Freddie Draper being the sort of player we can play through, Rico Hackett is another one of those players that can very much help us move the ball 
on the ground from the defensive third to the attacking third and then hopefully into the area as well. So I think that's huge. Um, then in terms of players that we bring in, I think I would potentially argue we need another winger slash 10, depending on the formation we're going to play moving forward. I think if we bring in some, you know, another player that can very much kind of copy what Rico's doing on one side onto the other. Uh, now I'm aware we've got Danny Mandroyu, but obviously if we're going pick- for... Just so you know, we'll pick up on basic transfer window chatter in a minute. I'm not rushing you straight through. It was more a question <laughs> of Val's, Val's answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, hopefully, we can then bring in another player that can very much do the sort of thing that Rico Hackett's doing on the right-hand side as well. And then when we've got a striker that can play through and create the triangles, I really think we're going to get more balls into the box because there's going to be more options and we'll be moving forward as a unit. I think sometimes um, our strikers have found themselves isolated in this formation. And, you know, there, there have been many a times, uh, not just under Marcus Kabbalah, Mark Kennedy, Tom Shaw, no matter who's played it, but a lot of the time this 3-4-3 that we play can sometimes turn into a 5-4-1 very, very easily and not through the fault of anybody, not through some tactical decision, but it could just sometimes be a game state issue. And then the strikers find themselves very isolated. Striker can't be expected when they're the only person in the attacking third, for example, to get the ball into the box on their own. Um, Now, I think if we, uh, to be honest, I think Dylan Duffy is also going to be absolutely perfect on the left-hand side if we're moving more towards wingers as well. Uh, Against Blackpool, he was constantly whipping in crosses, but they don't count as touches in the box unless somebody's on the other end. Let's say if he puts the ball in the box, then it counts. Exactly. There you go. Because there are touches in the box. Um, and if so, you've got... <laughs> so it's a good point. Do you, know what? Do you know what? I think, to answer Val's question, do you know what I think, honestly, sorts this in the interim period? 3-5-2. Mm. With Jack Moylan and Freddie Draper and whoever we happen to sign on loan and Joven backing that up. Go 3-5-2. Two out and out. Strikers puts a lot more effort on the on the uh, players in the middle. Mm-hmm. Granted, but you can still kind of play, um, still kind of play a ten, can't you? In that, or do you know what I mean? Um, you get Rico back. Rico potentially plays as one attacking wing back. Um, he can play up top. I, d- I just think, I think that the narrow three four three that we play makes it difficult at times to get in the box, especially when the two midfielders begin to drop a little deeper. That's when the striker gets isolated. So I think a flexibility and approach. I think long-term we're going four at the back. I think if we go four at the back, we're probably going to be looking at a 4-2-3-1. And again, then it's more traditional wingers, one in attack, one sitting in behind. We don't quite know where Jack Moylan's actually going to fit in yet, but obviously yeah, we haven't even mentioned his signing, to be fair, um, because I think we mentioned it at the time. So I think that's probably where we look at improving touches in the box. I would agree, although I'd slightly, I'd find it a little bit difficult to fit everybody into their sort of best positions and, and how that would necessarily work when we're sort of trying to fit players in. I think if we did a three-five-two, uh, obviously Lucas in goal with Sorensen right wing back. I think those two are almost kind of locked on three of the centre halves. You know, a TJ, a Jacko, and I would then air towards having a Sean Rowan on the left yep. centre half. So that then we can actually have Dylan Duffy as the as the left yep. wing back because they are going to need to be attacking wing backs in that system so that we can still create width going forward. Um, but then it is the three in the middle. Do you do a two and a one or a one and a two or you know two and a one? Yeah, and then but Hamilton. then it's Ethan Howells, Arahan, But then who do you have in the ten? Bishop, Mandroyu. 
Well, I'd, I'd potentially actually have yes. Jack Moylan if he's, you know, potentially sitting into that 10 role at the We've minute. Not seen and then Jack have no, no, no. This uh, this and um, because I would want Rico Hackett to be playing up front with Freddie Draper, because I don't think that I would want Rico to miss out on the squad at all. No. Um, and I would probably prefer to have him up top than a, in a cam. But then again, I don't know if that's utilising his best position out wide. So it's, for me, we go four back now, but I've been saying that since the middle of December. Not going to happen. No. Not going to happen at this stage, in my opinion. I'm enjoying this debate, Charlie. I'm enjoying <laughs> this debate one. I'm enjoying this debate immensely. So let's let's carry the debate on um, because we're talking here about fitting players into the right position. And I would argue that actually in a 3-4-3, we struggle to fit players in the right mm -hmm. position because you're going to put Rico in as a, as a kind of a 10 behind a striker when his best position, we were just talking, is it out wide? I think he's more of a more of a striker than he is a 10. But does that lead us into the type of player? Look, we said we're going to do a transfer window special. It's clearly not a transfer window special. But if I was to throw it over to you and say the one player right now, if we could only have one more player in the transfer window to sign, where would it be and why? What would your answer be? Uh, a number 10. And, and the the reason I'm saying that is because it gives us it first of all, it gives us the opportunities to be flexible if we if we do want to move to a three five two or a four two three one as well, which I'm standing by. I definitely want that to happen sooner rather than later and, and in this season. Um because if I mean I'm I'm just gonna go down that route for a second because if we were to do that and go to a four, two, three, one, I think we are we would need a number 10 because we would have, for example, the opportunity to have Dylan Duffy on the left wing, Rico on the right wing, and then I think we're still missing that central player. Now, I, I we have obviously got Danny Mandroyu in there and we hope that he would be able to excel in a number 10 role, but you know his future at the football club, who knows? A lot of fans are very much sort of turned on him and I struggle to necessarily see a redemption arc in the very short term, but maybe over a, a longer period of time for Danny Mandroy. Not that he necessarily needs a redemption arc, but that's just the yeah the sort of point on that one. Um, but also, if we were sticking with this three four three or moving to a three five two, again, I don't think it's that we've, we've got the, the kind of mould of player for that. I'd want somebody who was quick but also powerful. I want somebody that would be able to move the ball and carry the ball forward but also have the technical ability and the trickery to be able to play with the two strikers let's say if it was in a 3-5-2 or with the other two players in the front three if we stick with our current formation and be able to again have the, the technical ability to play those triangles and help get let's say a Freddie Draper who is who would be potentially playing as the striker, get him in behind or be able to get, give him opportunities in the area. Uh, and I think that sort of strong, powerful number 10, that star forward at the minute is something we're missing. In terms of former Lincoln City players, is the one that fits that profile that you have in mind when you talk about it? Because I, I, I think back to Lincoln City 
kind of and when we say look we talk about numbers being positions people a lot of like purists hate that so i think that it's kind of an attack in midfield isn't it or <clears throat> it, it, it's not because like it used to be nine and ten used to be centre forwards and ten was like a yeah. I seem to remember like a Peter Beardsley it was the centre forward that would create and your number nine put the ball yeah. in the back and that that's not it anymore the ten's a little bit deeper and in terms of a ten now I think back and you think more like a kind of a Paul Gascoigne or at times a Wayne Rooney style player so what you want is somebody that's going to sit behind the nine dip behind the the centre forward make runs around him so when you're if you're a four two three one you can effectively be like a Let's say it's an old. It's almost like a four-four-two, isn't it? Two in midfield and two up top, but you ten drops and, and and kind of links. But when we talk about pace and we talk about power, they're two commodities that you don't normally get coming together in a key position in League One without spending money. Because if you have pace and you have power and you're a League One quality footballer, the only other thing that makes you a Championship footballer, for instance, is then consistency as well. So I think back. Strong number 10s for Lincoln City who can run from deep, who can push, who can fight. And I wonder, I, I can't think of anybody who actually fits that profile that we've had at the football club. Because you think of 10s we've had. Shane McCartan mm. probably played that role. Jack Payne probably played that role. You could argue for a degree, Morgan Rogers, maybe. I don't know. You know, we played. Yeah, he, yeah, it was. Brennan played yeah. there a bit. Well, it was it was I. What I loved about their partnership was the fact that those two were both fluid enough when they played together that they could both do both positions in the same game. Yeah, for yeah, um, for example, I, I buy that. I can take his spine a number ten. I think if I was to, if somebody asked me and said one player, one profile of player, I'm not talking specific player that we need to sign right now to carry us forward, I'd be another centre forward, and. And, and, and let's face it, we're probably going to try and sign both. So we're probably going to try and sign a, an attack in a 10. So we're going to try, we're going to definitely bring in another centre forward because Vale has gone, Draper has come in. So that that's a, that's a straight swap. Um, with Ben House, end of February, match fit, middle of March, too late. Tyler Walker, not going to see him in a Lincoln shirt this season. We're going to sign a lone centre forward. So... For me, you've got to have three centre forwards. You've got to so Freddie Draper, it'll be what? Jovan Makama, it'll be a lone player, and Jack Moylan. We can't heap as much pressure in my mind on Jack Moylan as we can on Freddie Draper because Jack has only played over in Ireland. So, like earlier, you were talking about um, if we couldn't play 3 5 2 because you have to get the players in, in their preferred positions. So, you're going to play Jack Moylan behind Rico and Freddie Draper. That's working on the assumption that Jack Moylan mm. is, as soon as he steps into uh, the Lincoln City squad, a starter. I'm not going to buy that. I think it takes a little more time for him to settle because we we have this image of Jack Moylan being, he scored all these goals for Shelbourne, et cetera, et cetera. He's going to be big. I think that he's got to be considered as part of the pool, obviously. I think Freddie, with six months in League Two, English football, etc., played for our first team before, is much more likely to be a regular starter. We definitely, in my mind, I need to sign a centre forward. I said that I didn't think it was a Joe Taylor side centre forward. In my head, I can picture, and it, look, I say this, and people are going to go because it's so easy to say. I think I said it with Chris. It's an Ellis Sims style player. It's a a player coming out, and was it uh, Taylor Richards? Was it Taylor Richards that was Man City to Brighton and then was loaned to Doncaster? Yes. Um, I think that might be his name. It's going to be a stronger kind of more robust like a Dale Taylor, but perhaps a little bit on steroids kind of thing. Somebody that's going to scrap and fight like Jack Vale. If he was perhaps, you know, six foot three and likes to take a few more shots than he actually does. So 
But the point is that we both believe that we need to sign somebody in the attacking role still, even though Freddie's back, even though Jack Moylan's coming in, even though you know, we, we, we're getting players back and fit. And that's probably the agreement. Look, um, I said that we were going to be finished at the advert break. We're not. But let's go to the advert break now uh, and then we'll come back in. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Brilliant. Thank you. So that's a word from our sponsors. Remember, the sponsorship has gone uh, into providing some kits for some of the Stacey West members, um, not as in shirts and shorts, that sort of thing, as in microphone and headphones and bits and bobs, um, and also allowed us to sponsor Ethan Araham's Away Kit. I am hoping, hoping potentially by the end of January, you might be in a position to sponsor another player, but I don't know whether that's going to be the case. Let's see how many people listen. So lots of people at the beginning. I've, I've mixed up the show, by the way. Uh, Paul and I, I have had the WhatsApp, actually. So I said Paul de Garis, but it is actually pronounced de Gare. Paul de Gare. So it's Paul de Gare who's coming on um, later. He's going to be on after this little segment. This little segment isn't just Charlie Beeston. It also involves Britain's newest athlete. And just <laughs> And is that a Wren? Is that a T-shirt for the artist Wren? No, it's a T-shirt for Renegades. Oh, that's that, I'm, I'm, it's a shame that because actually I don't know if you've heard of Wren. Done a it, it kind of a, a Google it honestly. Does a song called uh, Chalk Outlines? Absolutely fantastic. Anyway, so we've got Ben with us. Ben, how you doing, pal? All right. Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, uh, relatively uh, poorly Christmas New Year, but other than that, it was uh, it was all good. I think I, I had the cold that's uh, that struck you down. I've still got it. Still got it. It's, yeah. it's a nasty one, isn't it? I don't know where it's where it's come from, but yeah, it's horrible. B says it's called the hundred day cough. Yeah, um, Rach mentioned that to me the other day as well. She said it's it kind of you feel like you're getting over it, and all of a sudden it just comes back and, and kicks you in the arse again. Which well, I felt fine earlier. Yeah. Uh, so I went out for a run. You run. You run. Yay! <laughs> and since then, I've had a sore throat. Now, I mentioned it to me and Charlie had a little talk on air uh, about you, Ben. And oh, this dear. time we weren't taking the mick. Okay. Because we, we were saying we're all going, we're all doing the 5K, uh, the 10K, 5K if only. Um, <laughs> and we're all at different stages of a different fitness journey. And and with absolute respect, you kind of said you've let that go a little bit. You're you're probably the one that's most worried about the 10K. Do you think, would that be fair? Kind of take to take the listeners through what you're doing about that. Yeah. So obviously we had our, we had our night out 
um, in December, just before Christmas. And uh, Gary mentioned during the night out that he was doing the uh, the 10K. And um, he said, does anybody else fancy it? And I think Charlie said, oh, I'd probably be up for doing that. And I said, I'd, I've thought about it, you know, maybe sometime in the future. And I think Gary's response was, April's in the future. Let's get you signed up. Um, so, yeah, basically uh, woke up the following morning and realized, oh, crap, I have signed up for this. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's, it's something that, you know, I've thought about for a long time and I'm, I'm determined to do it because, you know, as you mentioned, it's, it's the, the fitness journey has, has, you know, you obviously have your fits and starts. You go, oh, I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, get myself fit. And it, it just falls apart after about the 15th of, of uh, January. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think anybody that, that knows me, it's fairly you know, fairly obvious. I've, I've uh, maybe gone a little bit bigger over the past few years, and I just thought to myself, I need to do something about this. And I thought this is probably the perfect time to uh, to do it. You know, if we can do it for a good cause and all the rest of it, even better. Um, so, after speaking to quite a few people about it, um, following that tweet that you put out, a few people messaged me saying, "Yeah, just just do catch five k, you'll be fine." Downloaded the catch five k app, and uh, I've gone through two of the sessions now. I've repeated one. Um, because I didn't finish it on the app, so I had to redo it. Um, but yeah, I got my third one later on today. Um, it's been really tough. Like I'm not going to lie. I, I think the the thing is, I've been, I've got, I've got a desk job. Um, you know, I work from home, so I I tend to get a bit lazy sometimes when it comes to working on me. Um, but yeah, getting out and and doing stuff. I think the the thing that really kicked me into gear was when we went away to went on two holidays this year or last year rather and um did a lot of walking on them and then by the end of it like my legs uh the, the like the back of my legs were absolutely killing me both times and I thought I can't keep doing this I need to improve um so yeah I mean obviously the first couple of uh of runs that I've done so far they've been very gentle sort of easing into it but even they uh hurt in the backs of my legs and you know my ankles and stuff so Getting past that is going to be the first hurdle. Um, and then after that, just kind of working on the rest of it and, and moving up and improving, I guess. So quick question. Yeah. Have you experienced the runner's high? So this is the what people who run tell you you get after you finish running. Now, I personally got sick, achy and tired. Um, <laughs> but now I, now I actually get it. Like I do a run and I get back and I'm on Strava and I check my my times which progressively get worse and then one gets slightly better and i think well that's progress um have you got that yet or or is it too early in the 5k do you think to catch 5k to say i think there was a big sense of achievement after just doing the first one yeah. um because you know i've never done any running in my life you'd be able to tell that by looking at me um you know it's something i've never done i've never had any interest in it i'm not you know my my current thought process is I will get the 10k done and then maybe do it every now and then. It's not it's not something that I'm planning on making a big part of my life, but you know I think it's there was a definite sense of achievement there. And, and the people that I've spoken to when I've done the first couple have said like, yeah, the the biggest hurdle and the biggest achievement is getting your trainers on and getting out there and doing it. Um, which yeah, you know, as long as I can stick at it, I think I'll be all right. It's just uh, yeah. Getting over the pain barrier is, is the first one, I think. Um, be before we go over and bring in Paul Dagare, which now I know how to say it, he's brilliant. <laughs> Good on Paul. 
So you're you're a week into, or more or less a week into the training, Ben. I'm yep. mm, six hours deep in it now. Charlie, when are you <laughs> going to start? Well, uh, till uh, it'll be this coming this coming week. Once I'm back in Nottingham, back at uni, it'll be it'll be a lot easier. Um, but I think I'm going to actually be getting me running shoes on tomorrow morning and uh, getting back out there. Sound. And one last question for each of you before I drop in: If you had to pick one song as your running song. Is there something you're listening to at the moment that's motivating you or anything like that? And I'll, while you think, the song that motivated me when I was doing the Couch to 5K, and people are going to go, what the hell is that? Unless they're like 50 or 60. But it was a 60s track by the Honeycombs called Have I the Right? Because there's this, and, and they were like, um, I mean, when you listen to everything else they've done, they're typical 60s. But then there's this, they've got this, they're this female drummer, and the, uh, the chorus is, Ah, oh, come right back, and she's banging it. And honestly, I timed it on the running machine for the uh, for the drum beat, and it really got me going. So, any anything from you two guys? Well, there's there's one that I've mentioned to you before, and you immediately poo pooed it. So oh, I'm not bloody listening to that. <laughs> um, but it it fit kind of the cadence of my run, um, which was um, thanks for the memories by Fallout Boy, because it kind of no, builds I'm not up. Listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of kind of builds up through the verse and when you hit the chorus it's it's a bit of a burst of energy it's like oh yeah it fits perfectly with the the pace at which I'm, i was running so yeah that that's uh that's one that when it comes on i'm like right i know what i'm i know what i'm doing here and i can match it and it's all good so charlie um i just get spotify to give me a playlist it's normally just 80s rock and it's it's typically so up and down uh, which probably isn't very good actually for running but it just <laughs> It is what it is, and if it gives me a sudden spur of motivation, it does, and if not, then I've just got to push through it. So before I bring in Paul, I will also say one other song, and it definitely, because when the guy starts talking, it can't you can't help but get motivated by it. Lose Yourself by Eminem. Yes, absolutely. You can't help it because he's kind of, yeah. it's going around your head. Would you take it? And you're running thinking, if I stop running now, I'm letting Eminem down. Eminem's going to be right. disappointed in me. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter if you let down the Stacey West team. It doesn't matter if you let down yourself, your family, your friends, your kids, your dog, everybody that's ever loved you. Do not let down Eminem because if he does, he'll pistol he'll, whip you. I was going to say he'll pistol whip. Yeah. <laughs> Best thing he ever did is take the bullets out of that gun before coming over and pistol whipping Ben for slowing down ever so slightly on the final leg of the 5K. <laughs> ben, thank you for joining us. Charlie, thank you for being here for the whole time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the Stacey West team. And in about two seconds time, I'm going to be on my own. You do oh, want to I... say up the imps. Do you want to say up, up the, the imps? imps. Up the up yes. Up the up imps. The imps. <laughs> I, I'm Lars Simonson. You're listening to the Stacey West podcast. Brilliant. So now I've got rid of that rabble. No more Ben, no more Charlie. Now we are talking elite guest on the podcast, former Lincoln City player. Now, I, uh, I, I've i had some issues pronouncing names, Paul, I'm going to be honest. And you sent me uh, a voice note of how to pronounce it. And I've already think I forgot. So correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but this is former Lincoln City, uh, Loney, Sheffield Wednesday goalkeeper, Paul Degare. Degare, that's correct. Uh, over over the time during my period period there, it was one which the stadium or the ground announcers never got right, never got right. And when I came back last year, and uh, early this year, and I spoke to Alan on the pitch at half time, I said that was one of the questions that were thrown at me. And yeah, you got it right. It's Degare. A lot a lot of them were like Degaris. Uh, you know, it was just like no, it's not pronounced like that. Degare. 
I would have been Paul DeGaris, I think. So DeGare. Now, for listeners of the Stacey West, um, Paul came to the club in 1994-95. And in a, I think it was 94-95. Maybe 94, 95, yeah. 96, yeah. 94, yeah. 95. Um, so we're going to touch on that a little bit in a moment. But first of all, there is a reason we haven't just plucked Paul from uh, the, the pool of former players to have a chat with. Um, he's a voice. Uh, he's a person you're going to get to know very well. It's a voice you're going to get to recognise almost as much as myself, Ben, Charlie and Chris. Paul, would you like to tell the Stacey West listeners why that is? Yes. Well, uh, since the uh, FPA, the Former Players Association, has been formed, uh, I was one of the sort of first members of that association. Uh, over time, sort of put an idea in recently uh, regards, you know, connecting with the supporters. And one of them was to, can we do a podcast with an ex-player, uh, bring them on, have a chat. And, you know, these ex-players, when you chat to them, always got a story to share. And it's, I think it's very good and very important that uh, supporters want to listen. I think there are some supporters out there that do want to listen. Uh, so it's creating that... Uh, yeah, that platform for that to happen. So, uh, as I say, as as member of the FPA, uh, I put myself forward, and Gavin uh, Gordon agreed to that uh, for me to sort of co-host it. And uh, yeah, let's get the ball rolling as such. So, um, that's going to be co-hosted with me. Uh, so that's me and Paul under the uh, the Stacy West brand. Now, Paul doesn't realise this. I've got his name actually tattooed on my arm. I've actually got Gary and Paul on my arm. I go, it's my, <laughs> my brother's name. But I might we might use that as a little yeah. thumbnail. For, yeah. Uh, if it didn't say Gatti, but it actually looks a little bit like Gatti or Gatu. It's a really bad. Uh, but you can Brilliant. make your name out, so that's absolutely yeah. fine. <laughs> I don't think you have room to put my surname on there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I might if I put it phonetically on there, so yeah. people know how yeah. to pronounce it. Um, so what, we, what we're aiming for, we've, we've been chatting. We were chatting before Christmas about this as well. So just for yeah. those listening, we're aiming to do this hopefully on a monthly basis, so it's not overkill um one guest at a time and it's just a matter of probing and pushing the former players yeah. for you yeah, you, you, know, I, I, you mean again since being part of the fba you spoke to some players and you know they're keen to share you know the experience they've had you know the experience of time they had at the club and their football careers in general as well so you know it's uh i think yeah, once once we get one on, let's like say you don't want to overkill it every week or every two weeks. I think once a month is a great start, and uh, it will be it will be good. It will be good. I'm sure we're going to hear some stuff which is going to be like, all right, okay, <laughs> that was an eye opener. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, what struck me when you and I spoke before Christmas, and I, I, it also struck me I, a couple of years ago, I spoke to a guy called David Poppleton. Um, I don't know if you know David. Yeah, he was, I, I think he was at Sheffield. I remember I, the name rings a bell with me, Poppleton, but I don't know. We did he play for? I don't know if he played for Duncastle. I'm not too sure. He might have done. I know that he was. Oh, was he Everton? He's a Sheffield Wednesday fan. But anyway, we had him and uh, another guy called Darren Dykes, who you won't have heard of. He was a. He no. came on loan from Swindon. These are lads like yourself that, that spent a short amount of time at Lincoln. But I found yeah. the recollection from the guys that spent a shorter amount of time was with so much more clarity than a 300 appearance because uh, whether you take everything in and it struck me chatting to you before Christmas, you know, the, yeah. the, the level of the, the teammates, you were able to roll off the squad that you played with 
with almost the same amount of accuracy as I think I would be. And I consider myself a kind of, you know, a student of Lincoln City. So um, to just just to get the ball rolling, just tell uh, Stacey West for the, for the guys that um, or the guys and girls that probably weren't aware of, of who you are um, yeah. about your how you came to be a Lincoln City player. How I came to be. Well, I mean, the, the season, 94, 95 season was quite a, a, a breaking season for me. Uh, it started back in uh, pre-season where it was actually further down south where I, uh, I was over playing at Woking uh, on a trial. Uh, Jeff Chappell was the manager at the time and I wasn't, the game I was actually meant to play in was cancelled. Uh, and then I watched a game, the first team play against Crawley Town uh, in from the stand and the Crawley Town keeper, this is quite unique, the Crawley Town keeper on the day uh, got injured after about seven minutes. And the 94-95 season, what I can remember, was the first season where subkeepers were introduced. Uh, but Crawley didn't have a subkeeper that day. Uh, so the Woking bench, because it's pre-season, turns to me and said, would you be up for going in? So I just remember sort of running down from the stand into the changing room. And next minute, I'm making my debut for Crawley Town. Uh, and in that game, it was a cup game, cup pre-season. I had a storming game. I could not do anything wrong. Uh, I was uh, playing against a Woking team, which included uh, Clive Walker, the ex-Chelsea Sunderland left winger. Uh, and I, I just, it was one of those days, just, it was, it was a brilliant day. When the final whistle went, uh, Woking wanted me to sign up for them. Uh, by the time I got back to Guernsey, I think it was the following morning. Uh, that week, I had another premier, I had a premiership club who had a scout of the game contact me to go on trial. Uh, and then a local businessman in Guernsey uh, had a vested interest in Sheffield Wednesday uh and basically said i'm going to take you up there and uh within about three weeks i was on the training pitch meeting uh trevor francis and there and it went from there so i spent got to about november time uh and i was involved with the under 21 team at sheffield wednesday uh and in the reserves as well and i got called into the manager's office I remember walking in, uh, Jeff Francis was in the corner. I was speaking to his assistant, Richie Barker, at the time. Uh, and Richie Barker said to me, would you be interested in going to, like, to, to Lincoln? And, you mean, I was just like, okay, well, all right. And the following, <laughs> following day or following week, I can't remember, or the following day, uh, I was turning up at Central Bank uh, and – that, that, that's how it happened so uh did you well, know where lincoln was before you uh before you came i'd be honest with you no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but it was, it was different back then uh it was you mean i was uh what was i 94 i was 20 years of age uh and living on ireland for, for most of my life up until that point moving to the uk was a big move for me and uh yeah, I you mean not travel around the UK much on my own before. So yeah, when living in Sheffield, it took me time to settle in at Sheffield. Uh and I stayed at Sheffield when I was at Lincoln as well. So I traveled in every day. Uh and sometimes met up with uh David Magic Johnson. 
and used to drive in. I, think, I believe we used to. We I remember sharing a car with him on a couple of occasions going in. Uh, so yeah, so in answer to your question, I learned a lot about Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody ever knows. I don't think anyone knows where it is. I don't. My yeah. uh, my partner when I met she lived in Cambridge. I don't think she knew where Lincoln was. It's only a couple of hours on the road. So yeah, it was, um, it was one. It was one of those back in there. Back back in those days, we didn't have a sat nav, so it was like got the map out. I just remember right A fifty seven. I think it was A fifty seven. Come off the M one A fifty seven and keep on it. Keep on it. And uh, yeah, that was it. So <laughs> get you here eventually. I mean, yeah. was, So I mean, it was a very different. Lincoln City wasn't it at the time? What what were kind of your recollections? It, just it was of the, the kind of area of your time in the the club. Area of my time. Uh, so you know, coming from a Premiership club uh, where things were done for you, you were spoiled a little bit. Uh, I remember driving into Central Bank on the first day, and the the stand which wasn't built at the time. You basically on one side of Central Bank was just uh, a six foot wall of wood, uh, and you had the green seats, you had the green seats, it, you know. And I remember the pitch being very sandy, and that's no disrespect to the groundsman at the time. It was very different, and the ground attendances at the time were about two and a half thousand average home. Uh, and I think the thing that's really stood out in my memory is that after the first day, my training kit, I went to hand it in, <laughs> and there was like, I was told, no, take it home and wash it. And I was like, Okay, <laughs> I was like, all right, okay, uh, and that was sort of like that was the difference, you know, when you're at, when you're at that sort of level back back then. That was what like one of the things that really struck me straight away. So it was like training kit given to me, all bundled up, but I had to look after it, and I literally only had one lot of training kit really, which I had to literally wash every day. So, uh, and I've still got I still got up in my loft as well. It was an admiral, <laughs> admiral, admiral. Uh, it was an admiral black uh red red top uh my black admiral bottoms and my red and black socks yeah so washed i hope in your loft i I was washed up in my loft still i know that (laughs) so um so obviously you say it was the first season really where there was a sub goalkeeper so i think it was two subs and the goalkeeper so you i as i understand you kind of came in as understandy potentially to john Vaughan. is that how it worked out no no so John Vaughan, I think, was possibly the following season. I'm not too okay. no, that was Barry Richardson. John Vaughan was the season before. So that season uh was Andy Leaning was the, the number oh, one. No, uh, no. but I remember at the start of the season, sort of doing my homework that uh, uh Russell Halt uh from Leicester City at the time uh came on, uh was was there before prior to me. Uh and I believe another keeper from Cheltenham, uh a lad called Steve Book, uh was there as well. Uh, so I think I was possibly the third keeper with the YTS obviously stepping in, Andy Dixon, a young lad called Andy Dixon at the time. So I was about the third keeper there that season. So uh, uh, it was, you know, I, I don't know what happened to the keeper before me, but yeah, you know, I say Andy Leaning was the sort of established number one. Andy was playing really well at that time as well, what I can remember. So uh and he, he obviously had a good career coming from uh, York, Sheffield United, Bristol City. Uh, so, and he was sort of like, I suppose, I, I say the tail end of his career, but uh, he's certainly a senior pro, uh, as what I could see. 
Okay. And uh, Big Sam, I think, was the manager. Was he Sam Ellis? Is that right? Sam Ellis. So, yeah, I remember uh, walking in on the first day and uh, always had it back in my mind because Chef Wednesday, when they told me, they said to me always not to uh, wish unusual because back then I didn't have agents at all or anything like that. So, again, I was sort of like a 20 year old just on my own and just not knowing. And uh, they, you know, Chef Wednesday said to me, basically, don't commit to anything that's thingy so i turned up and went to sam's room uh office and uh you signed the contract or what was there and uh then was committed you know so uh it was it was it was all new let's say it was all new to me you know and uh it was but like say it was the difference in a league two club to a premiership club which really sort of stuck in my memory because you know we were Sheffield Wednesday training at uh, Middlewood Road, nice training facility. And back then, Lincoln were, I think, would have been hiring uh, a place called Rushton uh, Sports Sports and Social Club, uh, and we're playing reserve games out of there and training down there, as well as the uh, there was a pitch right behind the actual main stand as well. But the condition of that wasn't great at the time uh, either. So. Yeah, a lot of things changed. Let's say very envious, I suppose, now of what the uh, the boys have to play and train in, uh, what they have to them now. So, yeah. In terms of your Lincoln playing career, obviously, um, there was a little bit of bad luck, really, I think, wasn't there, in terms of getting on the field and, um, and, and after you left? Yeah, it was a... It was, a, it was let's say, it was... It was all new. Uh, there was times in games where uh, Andy had gone down injured and you think you're coming on. There was, I remember recollection of one game uh, playing at Chesterfield uh, at Sorter Gate and uh, he had been down and he stayed down for a, a longer period than you would imagine. So you're just like, you get those butterflies and you're like, oh, was, you know, this is it. I'm going to make my debut. And you're just like, you're ready there. And I think that, that at that point in that game, I was sort of, Literally, I, I did have my bottoms off, and you know, I, I was ready, thingy. But he got up and played on. And I, I, I think I'm pretty sure it was a Chesterfield game. Uh, and yeah, you, you just like say you don't want to see injury or anything or ill fading or someone being ill and they can't make it. And you just you hope for that one opportunity to come along. Uh, you know, we travel. I remember we travelled all the way down to Bar- uh, Barnet on um, at Honda Underhill. And we got there, great, you know, you're just like, Christ, could this be the day I make my debut or, or something happens, you know? And then the game gets called off when we're down there. And, you know, and the only positive I could take from that is actually meeting Ray Clements at the time, who was a Barnet manager and who's one of my goalkeeping heroes. And I'm like, okay, it's, it's another opportunity missed. And I think we had a game uh, due to play Fulham as well, frozen pitch. And it was another opportunity there, you know, I think, one other game possibly where would have been was uh, Gillingham at Priestfield at uh, again, Andy went down uh, injured and you're just like, right, is this it? And it wasn't to be, you know, and uh, when it came to the end of that sort of period, uh, I, I, I returned back to Sheffield Wednesday and before, you know, when you look back at it now, Steve Sherwood came in after me. He was sort of the uh, ex-Watford uh, legend keeper, played in the 84 Cup final. Uh, and he made his Lincoln's debut within two games uh, against Wigan at Springfield Park because 
and he was injured, you know. So, <laughs> I mean, when I hear people say about the old adage about being at the right place, right time, I think that would apply to my linking career, you know, just get that, get that opportunity and things could have been very much different. You know, you never know. Uh, but what I do know is that I enjoyed my time there. I enjoyed the months I was there. Uh, it was, it was, a you know, again, like any club, it was, it was a lovely family, a, a, quite, a close club. Uh, you know, people knew. I, I remember going down to one game and then at the services and supporters, you know, ch chatting to them and uh, it, it was brilliant. You know, it's, uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a good time. And, I mean, it's, it's quite, um, it's an interesting period in City's history because obviously Big Sam was, was a bit of a legend. It, it was a, a tough time yeah. just before he was then sacked and John Beck came in. But you've mentioned some of the characters there. There's obviously Andy leaning in goal. Um, you mentioned Magic Johnson as well. Any of the other players that kind of stick out for you as characters or people you particularly gelled with or anything like that? I'd, I don't think I had enough time to gel with players. Uh, you, you come in. Uh, I, I did like, you know, I did have a lot of respect for Andy leaning uh, and uh, one guy who I, I had a couple of good chats with, uh, was Gary Bannister. Uh, he was a really solid pro, new to game. I think he'd been playing Premiership for Forest in '93, the year before. Uh, and I remember sort of one of the things that stand out in my memory is sort of, you know being sat in the coach going down to the Torquay away game for about seven hours and five hours. It seemed a, <laughs> seemed an age, and you know being sat in the coach chatting to him and just listening, could listen to you know the amount of experience that sort of player, you know, he has got, you, you just, you do listen, you know, uh, and listen to that advice. Uh, you know, Matt Carbon was a good, was a good player. He went on to a premiership. He was sort of same, I think about the same age as me possibly or uh, thing, but I didn't really sort of jow anyone. Uh, there was a reserve team player who made a first, couple of few, few first team games. Uh, Steve Williams, uh, who, who sort of came, he was a chef, I think Steve was a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and he came to watch a couple of Sheffield Wednesday games with me when Lincoln weren't playing, so he stayed over with us at uh, in, in Sheffield. Uh, you know, Grant Brown, uh, Brownie, I, when I came back earlier this year, was the same guest, and it was great to see Brownie again. And, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would like, hope to think I got on with the players, and, you know, when I was there, and but I wouldn't say I jowed jowed because you're only there for a short period of time. Uh, but I do, I remember him, you know, Dean West. Uh, I remember, I don't know if Dean, Dean remembers me, but I, you know, we roomed together, we, <laughs> we roomed together, uh, before the Crystal Palace game, uh, in, yeah. when we stayed in Croydon, and uh, we roomed together, we roomed together, uh, the night before that uh, FA Cup game. Uh, and you know, say good lad, I wouldn't have a bad word to speak about any of them. And uh, I know we've got some good solid pros there as well at the, at the time. You know, Steve Foley, uh, uh, Steve Mardenborough, uh, unfortunately, the late uh, Neil Matthews as well. Uh, but all really good, all really good people that treated us well. It was never, never anything, I would say, you know. So, and I, I could claim this is from research, but it's from our previous conversation. There was one Lincoln player, I think you then hooked up with at a non-league club later on. Was that correct? 
Nikki. So, so no, I, I didn't hook up. So, so yeah. So when I got back uh, to Sheffield Wednesday, uh, I released us at the end of the season two two under twenty one keepers, which were us, uh, promoted to two under eighteens. Uh, I decided I went back to Guernsey, uh, and then I came back to play for Woking in the conference uh, in May ninety five. It was one of the end of the season games, and. The following season was like, what? What do I do now? And I spent two two weeks at Scunthorpe uh, United. Did I say that? Uh, <laughs> uh, on pre-season, and Mark Samways was a keeper there at that time. Dave Moore was a manager. Uh, nothing materialised from there, so I went back to Guernsey, and I was like, what do I want to do? Do I persevere and try and still get go for a professional career? And I, yeah, just. It, Long story cut short, I, I I ended up going coming back. It was almost the following season, start of the 96, 97 season. So uh, I came back and I played prof- uh, semi-professional in Midlands, played for Hinkley Town and uh, Nicky Platina, uh, the left back, uh, was manager in one of the uh, teams in the area, Bedworth, I think it was. Uh, and I caught up Nicky at that time, uh, and that's just. How, how sort of football evolved. So, you know, one of my managers at Hinkley at the time was uh, Ali Mocklin, who was the ex-Leicester City uh, captain, uh, and Steve Hunt. Uh, I don't know if you remember Steve Hunt, uh, ex-Aston Villa, West Brom, yeah. played for England in the early 80s, played with Palais in America. And, yeah, I, I played some professional in the Midlands, in Midlands and then uh, met my wife, my wife, and uh, at the time, and I moved up, played in the northwest, and then returned back to Guernsey in about 98, 99, and I just stayed here, <laughs> and that was it. Until now, when you are bursting back onto the Lincoln City scene, Micah Richards style, uh, with what will be an award winning podcast, yeah, <laughs> for yeah. People to listen. Um, so look, Paul, I've taken up quite a bit of your time. I, we don't want to give everything away about you because I'm sure, as, as you and I work through the yeah. uh, through the months, you know, there'll be more chats, and you know, your insight as a, as a former professional will be vital in in kind of bringing out some stories. I think from some of these players, rather than just talking to a guy that's sat in the stands and and yeah. called them names all afternoon. Yeah, oh, so I hope to. Yeah, you I mean. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's exciting. You know, say I, I think sometimes it's good for the ex players to come on and share share a bit. And you know, it's uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully, we can get some, yeah, we'll get some good lads on and uh, and have some fun. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time. So, for everybody listening, that was today's show. So, you had me and Charlie talking transfers. We had Ben Tom on talk about being unfit. Uh, and now we've had Paul on talking about his career. We've got some great stuff coming up. Um, all that remains to be seen, uh, all that remains to be said until midweek is up the imps. Up the imps. Well, that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in.
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.